We'd like to uh, welcome uh, each and every one of you to uh, uh, these days of Dharma and inquiry uh, together in this uh, opening uh, talk with you. I'd just like to give a general uh, overview both of the days that uh, we have and, and a little bit with regard to the theme itself. In the days themselves, essentially, they will fall into three primary areas. So, in the morning time, the meditations, the silent periods, the uh, instructions after the uh, breakfast uh, time, the sitting and walking, and making full use of the benefits of the, the silences, the stillness, uh, meditations and the mindfulness. Then in the afternoon uh, uh, period, it's uh, an exploration, drawing on some of the uh, core teachings uh, of the Buddha and very specifically seeing their application and their relevance into the uh, daily life uh, situation. And part of the intention with regard to that is that it contributes to opening our heart uh, and mind in a way to a, a larger vision of what exploration is, of what these uh, teachings are about. Sometimes in the history, in this case uh, Buddhist uh, history and its tradition, it does seem to me that there is often a narrowing and a confinement to the expanse of the teaching. And all being well over the days that we have here uh, together, we will see the relevance from our experience. We will uh, see aspects and areas that really are worth uh, uh, developing. And, and the, there will be the opportunity in the afternoon periods for sharing and communication and listening to each other in the form of small groups and so forth. Then the uh, evening time will include Dharma talk, question and answer period, uh, inquiry, and whatever feels uh, appropriate uh, in that period of the day. With regard to the general uh, overview uh, here, even if we do not have much interest, nor even access to uh, the media, television, radio and uh, newspapers, certainly in everyday conversations and with our uh, own sensitivities and experiences, there is a certain kind of sense, and the weather is communicating it uh, to us, of significant changes which are going on. And what we have been hearing, for those of us who uh, take an interest in these uh, areas, is some of the very genuine and deep concern of thoughtful scientists about the impact that's uh, going on primarily uh, due to human behaviour. And we seem to have created a, uh, a situation for ourselves and for uh, 
uh, each other, where the limited resources of the planet cannot meet with the desires of human beings and what we want. And that's going to require from us a great deal of uh, exploration and one of the key features of this is lifestyle. And certainly any exploration uh, with regard to the, the Buddha's uh, teachings, it comes over again and, and again the importance of looking at the totality of our life, how we are living, what we are doing, what our priorities are, and of course that's supported through cooperation with each other and sometimes it may come down to simple situations, not easy but simple in theory anyway, what is it that we need to change. And that, looking at what it is we need to change, certainly can be at the personal level uh, there, but also because mindfulness, always without exception in the teachings, expands itself beyond the self, and therefore it applies outwardly as much as inwardly, and therefore in the extending of the mindfulness to the outer circumstances and looking at uh, the outer, what do we see that is uh, happening near and far? What kind of contribution can we uh, uh, make having been mindful of something? And therefore the inner and the outer, internal and external, as the Buddha regularly stated, is a key feature and aspect of what mindfulness is about. Not expressed in these teachings um, only and exclusively in relationship to the self, to uh, uh, oneself. <clears throat> in the general exploration um, uh, here, our meditations and our actions really have a relationship with each other. Our meditations, our times of aloneness and solitude, uh, times of uh, some uh, reflection. When there's significance to this, it contributes to the action. In the quietness of the being, sometimes some very precious thoughts arise of what needs to be said, needs to be done, needs of service for the other, needs of uh, change, and it is the task of the uh, inner listening not just to have less stress, not just to have uh, a quieter state of being, or to have some depth, all of which is important, but it's a calmness and insight tradition. And the insight aspect of it is critical. We can, quite understandably, be highlighting and 
concentrating on reducing of stress and tension, some of the pains in the heart, mind and body, feeling more at ease with ourself, <coughs> less reactive, <coughs> less judgmental, and all of that genuinely contributes to more calm and, and, and clarity. But it's not to, in any way to be seen or understood as some kind of end in itself. The meditations and the associated practices with it actually is a preparation for an engagement with the world. It's insufficient and not uh, fulfilling the human life just to be engaged, as it were, in this aspect of existence, namely our, our self. And sometimes it's in reverse. In reverse meaning we can be giving a great deal of welfare and support to uh, others, putting a lot of time, love and attention for the welfare of others, and family and friends and work and study and uh, service and much more. And we're not noticing that in the outgoingness, even in the best healthiest sense of service to others or to animals or the environment or, or it only takes a little blind spot doesn't take much of not seeing and noticing clearly what is going on in our inner life and because there is the outreach towards the other with all the responses that go with it that very movement in one direction to the other, uh, others, is a movement away from what's happening within. And that movement away from what is happening within exaggerates the outer. And in the exaggeration of the outer, at some point in time uh, there, there will be a price. There will be a cost for this. And some of the significant costs will be burnout. Sometimes, as people have often said to me, and it may have said to yourself or others, I didn't see it coming. Sometimes in the communication uh, with others, we think, that could be the loved ones here, it could be the colleagues. We think we know somebody. We spent time with her or him or them, and we have this picture and the idea of knowing about the person or understanding about the, about the person. And sometimes the conclusion is because we've been in contact with him or her or them for years, and it gives us Actually, ego gives us the idea, oh, I really know this person. And then something happens. 
and that connection and that relationship and that communication there and suddenly there's that thought which arises and that impact is ari arises which says my gosh I thought I knew this person but look what's happened whatever that might be about and it takes a lot of mindfulness and clarity as I mentioned inwardly and outwardly to know to know means to see to to uh, understand and though sometimes in this action in the world, means with others as well as ourselves, though sometimes, as it were, we kind of hide things from ourselves and hide things that we think we do from uh, others uh, there. But if we're a little mindful and some clarity, I suspect it's more likely we are kind of walking neon lights about our inner life. <laughs> and we think others may not know. We may not know the story. We may not know the details about whatever, both past and present. But if we keep really alert and present without all the reactivity, the way of knowing another, as well as knowing ourselves in this case, the way of knowing another will reveal the habits, the languages, the patterns, the use of the, uh, 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 the body the various varieties of states of mind. We, we, we really will get to know. And if sometimes we say, oh my God, I, I thought I knew this person. Yeah, I really didn't know her at all. Oh, after all these years, I really didn't know him at all. In a way, we might be saying, I really wasn't very mindful of this person. I really didn't see it coming because I wasn't seeing. And it takes an intimacy with life. And this intimacy uh, with life, as said a couple of times now, really is the fullness of things. And so in these kind of teachings, it would never be enough to say, know thyself, as our Greek wallers said 3,000 years ago, two and a half thousand years ago, or, or whatever. It is to see and know much more than oneself. Much, much more. Now, our self is a kind of distraction at best. It's a, a kind of small world. And it has, and the, in the small world, therefore, it has a small place. It's interesting in the, uh, uh, the silences of things here. Yeah. Sometimes also with our silences, as, as you know from retreats, we become receptive to each other in quite different ways which are outside of the spoken. 
and quite often with the spoken there is a we ask about the other and then we respond oh I am and then we add a few words to the uh, uh, I am and this gives us a little picture of the other or we give a little picture of ourselves but in the receptivity in a certain quiet samadhi certain quiet concentration and real presence and interest we really recognize with each other how changeable and uh, dynamic and listening to each other it will make out sorry it will make stand out lots more to be seen and then the neon, neon lights are really bright uh, with us the Buddha commented on this he says those who've looked into life and gone deep that means living with uh, uh, wisdom and all that's implied in that he makes this uh, precious comment we cannot hide any longer anything from ourselves neither can we hide from others when when there's some depth in the, the being in those kind of dark corners those forgotten places in our uh, uh, inner life the meditations and the practices and the sharings give enough expansion to start releasing and making things stand out more clearly for us. And what stands out more clearly sometimes can be something really creative, artistic, visionary, new. And sometimes we don't know where it came from. Sometimes it, so to speak, is a surprise to ourselves what emerges out of us. And what in the beautiful and the liberating and the creative, sometimes it not only shakes up our life, but the outcome of it as well, it shakes up the lives of others. Because the form and the way that we were known has changed because something dramatically changed here and then it might change the forms. Lifestyle, jobs, relationship, outlook and attitude. And it just springs. I just had a coffee uh, on, uh, while uh, here <clears throat> and uh, speaking to uh, one of the friends the person was working in uh, Rome uh, um, as a doctor and doing obviously lovely and precious work. And then, to his surprise, uh, there was a very deep religious experience. Of course, in Rome, one might expect these things, but a deep religious experience uh, took place. And it wasn't just, so to speak, finding God. 
the strength of the impact of the experience was he stopped being a doctor and became a Catholic priest. And in that being of a Catholic priest, after a period of time, still as a priest, he's now working as a doctor in a hospital. And his job, and I would not envy this job, this job is he's working with children. He's an oncologist. He's working with youngsters with cancer whose life expectancy is very, very uh, unknown. <coughs> How in the spiritual crisis of the parents do you explain to the parents that there is God who is omnipotent, who loves us, and their own children are dying from cancer. That is not an easy one to have to deal with. And it takes cooperation. Sometimes the transformative experience. And though for some of us here and elsewhere, it's not the way, the way we would think of G-O-D, but it is for many, many is in the billions who have trust and faith in G-O-D as the creator, as omniscient, as uh, omnipotent. Uh, there. And how in the human experience, uh, to, as a, an example, do we find languages which can meet the need The same issue applies to the great questions of our species and of life this earth, on this earth. Meaning that sometimes we want to touch upon the big issues of life. They are important. They are major. But what words are we going to use? What are we going to say that generates an interest and a concern? What's going to inspire others to look at the condition of human life, animal life, environmental life? It needs to be in the discourse much, much more than it is. And that is the exploration which includes the inner, it includes calmness and clarity and inner peace and depth, precious and important as it is there, but also and equally it includes the insights, it includes the revelations, it includes finding that voice or that inner uh, inspiration or that movement from the deep which brings us into an engagement or it renews our engagement or it starts a completely new one with our life. So 
the teachings with the inner life have consistently um, addressed and reflected upon and pointed to the importance of samatha, meaning calm and depth of being in many ways, and uh, insight into these processes that's going on, and also and equally insights into our world that we live in and what contribution that we can make. Why? Because we've looked at it. We've brought some, hopefully some clarity and compre clear comprehension. We've really listened and read and learned and watched and observed and explored and, and just finding ways One of the, finally, uh, one of the uh, uh, people, uh, an example of what I, what I mean, <clears throat> um, is uh, working, in, in this case, as a uh, psychiatrist, and is working with young people, teenagers. Those of us who know teenagers and listen to their uh, uh, voices yeah, will appreciate and know that the pressure on the young, on teenagers, is, it would appear to me, far more intense and brutal than it was a generation ago. And far, far more than it was in my generation, two, two generations ago, generation 25 years. And this situation of this kind of pressure easily brings contraction. That's what pressure does. The pressure to succeed, the pressure to appear successful. Uh, the, the pressure to impress others, the pressure to pass exams, the pressure to go to a good uh, university, the pressure to feel important to one's own peers, and much, much more. And all of that, as well as all the other dynamics that go on, easily brings about a freezing, a closing down in the inner life. What are we going to do? If one brings in the normal, everyday count viewpoints which have been given to us by, uh, by contemporary therapies, meditations and um, psychology, I can't see it working. It's hard enough to get the voice out of the teenagers. <laughs> They're going to need some real, some real imagination. Something really out of the box to connect with uh, teenagers who have closed down, not because there's anything wrong with them, it's because there's something deeply wrong with the, in the society and institutions which puts so much pressure on them. Uh, there. 
I, I was talking to my grandson, he's 17. <clears throat> he hasn't closed down. He has not closed down, he's got a voice. Bless him. And a couple of years ago, got beaten up by a gang. I've spoken to some of you about this. So he left that uh, school in a difficult area and moved into a new school, which happens to be a Christian school. My grandson is far more atheist than I am. <laughs> and I mean, he just thinks belief in God is just for kids. You know, he has that kind of view about it. So he wasn't, but he, although he chose the school, he was a little bit concerned. And, but the school, bless it, doesn't promote its Christianity in any way, but this is the point. I said to him, which teacher in your class, in your, you know, that you have in your subjects, which teacher do the, uh, uh, the young guys, young women in your class like most? And he said to me, oh, it's the, uh, the, the English teacher. And I said, why? And he said, because she's honest and straightforward. And I said, well, what do you mean? Well, she swears at us. <laughs> and I said, what did she say? She walks in, she says, you haven't done your fucking homework, have you? <laughs> <laughs> and youngsters, teenagers, like that. <laughs> well, she speaks her mind. None of this goody-goody stuff. You know, get on and do your fucking work, etc. And sometimes, just outside of the little comfort world, there's something more real. And that's the word he used of her. She's real. And somehow or other, we have to kind of get real. And that's going to require new insights new creativity, new revelations, new ways of, of doing things. And we're not learning that. We can't really learn that. We've got to approach things in, in fresh ways and listen and find out from those who are inspirational. And the lovely thing about the Dharma is it does address this. It is belonging to a liberated and free-spirited way of life. It is willing to question the limits and the forms and the constructions called samkaras and the hold these things have on us. It's in the spirit of all these teachings. And we've got to really connect and listen to with each other and to kind of release something which wakes us up, which frees us up. And the texts are just full of the importance of waking up, of freeing us up, of really breaking out of the shells, of opening the heart, of releasing wisdom and love into life. We have a body of teachings, and fortunately we have a body of teachings which doesn't have to have in it anywhere G-O-D, who created this world. For some of us, that's a huge relief.
we can trust in the dialogues and the explorations uh, with each other. We can see what the experience actually is. We can have a different sense of the transcendent because we're not here to reject it. In the uh, time <clears throat> uh, here, I'll just take a uh, little while just to, for a few minutes to speak about the, <clears throat> uh, the meditations and about uh, the mindfulness. And then uh, after that, just uh, stretch our legs for a, a few minutes and then we'll have a sitting uh, meditation for a while and then uh, come to the uh, end of the, of the day. With um, mindfulness and meditation, uh, in the many ways to uh, uh, look at it, and the word concentration, or uh, samadhi, in different teachers and teachings, of course, we'll approach these things a little bit uh, differently. But in the word mindfulness, with its inclusion of the past, of memory, so it expands itself beyond just being in the moment, which is a, a constant um, definition, but it's only a small aspect of this. And we do genuinely here, and in the, uh, the daily life, need to be mindful of what led up to this, whatever it might be about. What led up to this? And if we just take out one of those links that led up to this, if it's a problem, we just take out one, there's no ability for it to renew itself. Only got to take out one. And the, you know, the simple example, it couldn't be more simple. Yeah. One wants to give up smoking cigarettes. One doesn't find oneself looking forward to cancer in a few years' time. One thinks it's a terrible waste of good earth to be growing tobacco plants. There's so much hunger in the world. And one doesn't want to give any support to the tobacco industries, which regularly increase tar and nicotine content in parts of the world to speed up addiction. One just simply doesn't want to be associated with, with any, uh, any of that. It's not easy to give up that. And in terms of even in the material world, not even with changing the habit, just in the material world with this one. In order to smoke, it requires cigarette. Pipe, you can be funny about it. Uh, there. And it requires a box of matches and a lighter. And if one just leaves out the box of matches and the lighter, 
Smoking is stopped for good. Because it can't arise without that item. And if one says no to it, whether it's your hand or somebody else's, your smoking career has just come to a halt. And it's rather similar with the inner life as well. It speaks about mindfulness and mindfulness of recollection to seeing what leads up to this, to see if it's problematic. What is it in that process which needs some kind of change? What is the change? And so there isn't then the potential and the possibility for it to keep repeating itself. The, the, the extraordinary insight which actually are, dare I say, unarguable. What is it that led up to this? And the Buddha's, one of his kind of defining insights is to encourage human beings to really look, called dependent arising, what led up to this? Because this could not arise without the conditions for something to be going on for it to lead up to this. Who could argue with it? How did you get here? Something led up to you and me getting here. I call it roads and trains and cars and buses and walking. This led up to this. And if one of those things was absent, we're not here. It only takes a small change. Somebody told me yesterday at Cologne Station, where I was um, a few days ago, there was one of these rather painful, violent incidents which took place uh, there, and the threats and the police came, and the person was uh, uh, arrested, and because of the uh, concerns, because around terrorism, the person told me, that numerous trains and the station was closed down, that's what I heard, uh, uh, because of this. How one small event, not small in terms of one person, uh, somebody else has been really threatened uh, uh, as well. The influence and the impact of all of that, the repercussions that flow. But what were all the conditions that brought this person to behave in a violent way? So the teachings are a down-to-earth, practical teachings, important for human beings to look at, in which we explore inner life, we explore the outer uh, life, we look at this whole relationship to life, and we give consideration 
to what are the conditions which led up to this. If it's a painful one, what is it that needs to change? If it's a beautiful one, what is it that needs to develop? If it's a creative one, what is the way to express it? And that pretty well sums up the Dharma, I would say. Mm -hmm. I won't be so ambitious, some of it. <laughs> A few minutes on the, uh, uh, the, the meditations. <clears throat> There's uh, the meditations, very important ones, with regard to grounding and centering ourselves, the calmness of the being there. It includes within that, sometimes really useful and helpful, some reflection. Uh, there, these things we will uh, touch upon. And having a sense as well as in the field of things of what leads up to this, what leads up to the next uh, rhythm of life. And to really keep our good hearts, minds and uh, ears open uh, for uh, uh, each other. With the uh, uh, meditations, because so easily, through all of us in the daily life, with all the things that we are involved in, it is very easy and understandable to have a very busy mind. And one of the um, con contributions to people taking so much interest in mindfulness, and meditation, Buddhist teachings, exploring things in a fresh way, is to see, in fact, what is behind all this busy mind. What is behind all the thoughts and ideas and information that's running through our brain cells? And that then brings more uh, receptiveness to something which is not just informationally based. And that re receptivity uh, can be. So in the um, um, meditations, as per uh, uh, usual, really do endeavour to give as much support you know, to your good meditation uh, practice. Make full use of mindfulness of breathing and being uh, with the body. And if possible, uh, with this, with the breath and uh, with the body, the more that one can just Feel it a little bit more from within will help with the depth. And you know, sometimes you're just quietly sitting, mindful of breathing, with a kind of general sense of the, of the body. But if the eyes are closed, the posture is upright, sitting, walking, standing, reclining. Yeah. That, and we're just really experiencing a little bit more from inside the body. A little bit more deeper from inside. This can contribute to a little bit more depth in the being. And with that touch of the depth, that will affect 
our health in a healthy way. It will affect our speech, our thoughts about what we know, about our actions in the world. So the deep and allowing ourselves to experience from within and go deeper, in a way, informs. It can shed fresh light on our experiences, fresh light on our behaviour, fresh light on what we are doing, fresh light on what we need to do. Not to underestimate getting behind us underneath the busy mind, going deeper, being patient and receptive to the way that that can move, the depth that is, through the being and give us a whole fresh sense of things. You could end up as an Italian priest. Who knows? Dangerous. Absolutely. Dharma is dangerous. It can shake up the status quo uh, in extraordinary ways. It can shift things in extraordinary ways. Yeah. It's, it's dangerous. So um, let's just have three or four minutes to uh, stretch the legs. And I'll give the gonga ring in a few minutes' time. And then we'll have a silent meditation together for around uh, 20 minutes. And then the hot drink and end of the day. Thank you.
20-minute meditation together. Initially, sitting with the upright posture, two hips moved forward a little bit to give that expansion to the diaphragm, stomach, chest area. So we are sitting rather tall, Connecting with the breath, such a helpful bridge really between heart, mind and body. And experiencing from within as much as possible with the inhalation and the exhalation. So we're noticing the air element entering down into the lungs having its influence on the, on the cells, bringing oxygen to the cells. And then the release of the air element back into the environment. Making that primary object of primary interest. No two breaths are exactly the same.
remaining minute or so, mindfully inhaling, exhaling. Time is at 9.20, the first bell of the day is at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, we have bell rings a.m. and p.m., so we'd like a volunteer for the uh, 6 o'clock, any saints and selfless human beings in the hall who would kindly uh, give the gong a ring at 6 o'clock. So first bell at six, and that's um, uh, in the building and the round, and then also uh, outside on the pathway because sometimes people are staying in the hall over there. And then the uh, next bell is at six forty, and that's five minutes. That can just be in the building here, and that's five minutes before the first sitting of the day, which is at six forty-five. Uh, silent sitting through till uh, 7.30 the breakfast and then after breakfast the, the work period and the day gets underway. Uh, enjoy the hot drink, good rest, good sleep and see you tomorrow.